Rook Shields is the name. I, uh, I was a gnome of quite a few years. My, um, my once dark hair had become completely white. My once spry bones had become brittle with age. Age that seemed to keep coming with no end in sight. I've watched many of my friends die over the years. Some of old age, some of heart attacks uh, inside of creepy doll shops, and, and some even in battle. Um, but never me. I aged and, and lived and, and continued on. So when the time came for me to join my friends in death, I did not want it to be in my sleep. I especially did not want it to be of old age. So. I returned to the fray with the fire-breathing kittens, and I, I did what I could for the world before death finally caught up with me. And what a death it was. By now you may know the tale. I, I did not go out alone. I was able to have one final battle with my best friend in life and in death as well. Um, and so this is not an epilogue, because I am dead. My chapter has closed, however, I think it's important to know what happened in my final moments. When Helmer, who had been empowered as a spirit of the gods, used his celestial might to defeat this great beast, I never left his side, and as he clasped me in, in one great hug, the explosion of light burst forth and consumed us both. Uh, in this moment, I, I did not have fear nor anger. I was happy. I was going to join my friends who had already left this plane. And in this world of deities and gods, there are no doubt many versions of an afterlife. But for me, it was never about faith. It was always about friendship and adventure. So, as the light faded on life, creaky wooden door in desperate need of some grease, I might say, uh, opened up. And beyond that lay what else but a tavern, full of music and, and life, and as I stepped inside, I was greeted by a familiar set of faces of friends I had, I had once lost, but was now seeing uh, again. Uh, the familiar music of Helmer's lute playing in the background. And, um, a smile curled across my face. This is the moment I had been waiting for. And then a gigantic mug of ale with a well-made sippy cup lid was shoved at me. So I raised it up to my friends, chugged it down, and a cheer went up in the tavern. The creaky door closed, and the last page was finally written in the book of Rook. The end Paolo Evanara arrives too late to watch the Nicomoy fighting tournament. He wrings his hat between his hands, chastising himself for missing the event. He can hear the roar of the crowd from the harbor arena, and he sighs. Anaril will certainly give him an earful later. She was so confident she'd win the tourney that she even asked him to be there. Him, her old dad. Well, perhaps he could treat her to dinner afterwards. And perhaps she wouldn't mind Rooney coming along to celebrate with them. 
The three of them hadn't been together since the girls visited him in Mentifov, and the two sisters had bickered the entire time. He hopes his daughters will get along tonight, if only to humor his tender heart. Suddenly, the earth rolls beneath his feet. He barely catches himself on his hands and knees as roads splinter and buildings crack. Screams of trapped and confused people fill the air, and beneath the screams and chaos, a low tone builds. Paolo's instincts immediately focus. He senses the growing danger. He fixes his gaze on the stadium and stumbles as fast as he can towards it. Towards his only daughters. Towards his girls. Oh, gods, his girls. A large, shimmering blur streaks out from the top of the stadium with a roar, and the boom of a giant hammer falling upon stone and old bones seems to echo from all around. Paolo runs through fleeing people, weaving his small frame through the throng. Mere yards from the harbor, his instincts fire again. He skids to a stop, eyes darting across the stadium on the water. Then he spies it. A stream of golden dust curls into the air from the stadium. Sinuous, like liquid smoke, it draws golden particles to itself from every inch of the city, growing into a column of pure golden light. It blinks into detail for a mere moment. Two young half-elf, half-gnomish girls in wizard's robes holding hands. There's a catch in Paolo's breath as he staggers back. He would recognize them anywhere. His daughters gaze down at him with sad smiles, but even in this form, Paolo recognizes the drive in their eyes, the same drive that makes him so incredibly proud of them both. He lifts a hand, waves, and gasps as the girls burst apart. Golden dust scatters across the skies of Nicomoy, each speck a purposeful point of power to weave protective arcane barriers throughout the city. A flash of light bursts across the sky as the pattern is completed, and all lay still in Nicomoy. Later, Paolo will discover that the zombies were disanimated when the column was forming, almost as though the dust pulled out of them had powered their reanimation. He'll later find his way to the fire-breathing kittens, who will take care of him and offer him an honorary spot in their guild. Other adventurers will find Rooney and Anarol's research labs and build upon their vast troves of Ekenblim knowledge and arcana. And much, much later, Paolo Evanara will eventually find peace in the legend of the spirit sisters of Nicomoy. But in this moment, he lets his grief as a father flow. And he cries. So, <laughs> where to begin? Gatsby's Sylvester, the warlock of words. Now, I began my journey looking for hmm, inspiration for my great novel. On my adventure, I met a great number of people, many of whom were far too dull to write about in any great detail. However, I did find one person who was interesting enough to write about, someone who I could look up to as a model citizen and, frankly, excellent role model. 
I'm speaking, of course, about myself. I have gone into battle many, many times, and I have always come out on top. I've seen things that you would not believe, and I've done things that would kill any regular person. So, I don't think it's going too far to say that I am amazing. On a serious note, I don't know how long we spent in that time loop. Years? Decades even? You know, if nothing else, I had time to think. Think and, you know, plan some redecorating, but mostly the thinking part. You know, it's a strange world. We all exist in some way within it, and some seem to exist more successfully than others. There were a huge number of people I saw who struggled to survive. They had to do things they didn't want to just because... Just because if they didn't, they would not survive. And throughout that time loop, I saw it again and again and again, and I did nothing to help. We could have gone through every single loop, trying to make things better and better and better, and try and help as much as we can, but we didn't. We just did what we always did, every single time. We didn't change, we didn't improve, we just were. And I don't know what to make of that, I really don't. It's, um... I guess if you're one of the important ones, well, there's no, like, impetus for actually helping those less fortunate. And you have to make an extra effort to, you know, be good. But enough of that, enough of that. That's, uh... That's not a conversation for right now. Uh, you need catching up on what's been going on, like, in my life, right? Yeah, that's that's the brief I was given. So, yeah, so just to catch you up a little bit. Uh, so, Daisy, or Quadrocoon, to be more exact. Uh, I suppose the, the the pig's out of the bag on that one. Yeah, Quadrocoon seems to have made peace with Maliocus, who, long story short, is my distant distant ancestor who once got his spirit trapped in his sword. So using some rather clever magic I managed to extract the spirit of Maliocus from the sword he was in. So we, we put him in the body of an insurance salesman because you know he won't be missed. Uh, now the last I heard are they... Now I think they've been on a tour of the Outer Plains. Yeah, that, that was it. They went on a tour of the Outer Plains to stir up some trouble. So if you're over that direction, I would steer clear if I were you. They've got a lot of catching up to do. Now as for me, I've left Guazo and I've gone home to Albin because I have a cliffside manor now, which is in some real... It's in a state, let me tell you. It needs a lot of work. And, you know, with, with all this recent craziness, the time loop, the giant, or 
people asking me questions about things, you know, I think some rest would do me good. But, but don't worry, I will write about this. You know, the highs, the even highs. That time I skipped a man across the ocean like a stone. I will write about it. I will write about all of it. But I will make it better. My exploits and those who also happen to be there, they will be immortalized in my writing. Perhaps in time, perhaps in time I will go back through the records of previous adventurers and their own exploits and write those down too. But I'm beginning to wonder whether the written word is even the best place for them. Surely these exciting, daring, swashbuckling adventures require something with a bit more life. Uh, maybe a play or something of that description. Well, no matter, no matter. I will ponder it for a while before making my decision, of course. But one way or another, these stories will be told. And it seems as though it's my duty to tell them in the right way. By skipping the boring bits and making everyone much better looking than they really were. Mark my words though, history will know the adventures of the fire-breathing kittens. The name may need to be changed though, it's a bit derivative. Hello? Is this thing on? Hello? Ah! Yes, little Potter, I do believe it is on. Ah, well, thank you, Nugget. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, this is Wing, and with me is also Nugget. Uh, they have asked us to do uh, a little uh, goodbye uh, segment, so that that will be this. Uh, so, uh, what, what do we want to say goodbye about, Nugget? Maybe talk about all the great adventures we had and the friends we made along the way. Ah, yes, of course. That's a good suggestion. Yeah, the nugget. Always reliable, wise, wise man. Wise man indeed. Well, uh, we had great fun this year with all of our friends at the Fire Vision Kittens. We uh, met uh, great, wonderful people. There was uh, Miss Jet, uh, her wife Alice. They gave us nice clothes and good food. There was uh, Mr. Willie. Uh, he was a bit sad, but always fun to hang around with. Uh, Mr. Skirmish, he was uh, he was big and strong, so he, he could carry me around every now and then, which was uh, pretty nice, pretty nice, you know, especially when uh, when Nugget wasn't that big yet, so I needed someone else to carry me around. Well, not needed, but you know, it's, it's nice to have, nice to have every now and then. Um, yes, who else was there? Oh, of course, uh, there was Stella. She was also uh, partly dragon, so she, she and Nugget got along very well. Just like a little sister, you also get along very well. Yes, 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 yes. we had fun adventures with those. Mm, and there were many other great adventurers in the fire-breathing kittens who helped us along the way. Yes, yes, everybody was very, very helpful, very kind. So, uh, yeah, I uh, uh, was very nice to, uh, to hang out with everyone of you. But uh, I do think it is uh, time for us to uh, kind of stretch our legs, stretch our wings, you know, have a little... Uh, Look around in the in the world a little bit more. You know, there's there's more than just the city of Nicomoy. I used to travel around with the circus. Now we will travel around uh, together. You know, especially now that uh, Nugget is a large dragon, 
and uh, perhaps I might also have uh, some some way to become large dragon. Mm, let's not spoil the surprise. That's something for a future episode. <laughs> yes, you are quite right, Nuggets. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's keep that one a little bit under wraps. Okay, well, uh, that was uh, this was Wing and also Nugget, and we are uh, about to sign off. Uh, thank you, everybody, for the wonderful times I had at uh, Fire Breathing Kittens. And I will see you all somewhere in the future. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Mm, After many new adventures with many new friends, our hero Zero finds himself in a distant land filled with dragons of many sorts who are hunted and berated by an evil organization. He will remain here until he is called again by the fire-breathing kittens in order to save the day. Protecting the dragons and any animals along the way. We join Skirmish and Simmond in the middle of a forest. It's late at night. You can hear silence. There are no sounds of crickets. There are no sounds of animals or birds. It is deathly quiet. Skirmish received word that Mighty Oak has been amassing forces in the Vale of Shadows, trying to regain a foothold after suffering a defeat at the hands of Skirmish and his friends. He enlisted Simmons, Simon the Kind's help, owing not just to his incredible power, but also knowledge of nature and its surroundings. We join the two as they are walking through the forest, approaching what they hope to be the location of Mighty Oak. Simmond, I'm yes. I'm very oh, go ahead. um very pleased that you've decided to join me and help. Um Mighty this person is responsible for a lot of trouble in the entirety of Shofaxton, as far as I can tell, but it may go beyond. He was unleashing undead earlier in Jishop, and I'm afraid, from what I understand, there's going to be a lot more undead, probably about everywhere, and I think you're the right man to help me understand how to put an end to this. I'll certainly do my best, Skirmish. This... This seems like the kind of thing we cannot abide. You can feel the, the, the death in the atmosphere here, you know, I, anytime someone is subverting nature, we have to do our best to put it right. I appreciate it. So he's somewhere here. So let's look around. And, uh, if you find anything as far as detecting, uh, some kind of mag magic, uh, uh, necromancy or death, undead, let me know. And I'll just point where I need to start bashing and I'll start bashing. Well, this is fairly easy to do. Uh, Simmond crosses his legs and sits on the ground and starts to meditate. And within 10 minutes, he can commune with nature 
and sense the natural world around him for miles and miles. Uh, DM, does he get the the sensation of something in, in the nearby forest? You do. As you close your eyes and commune with your surroundings, you feel the comforting energy of 30 or so trees that have been quietly moving through the forest with you. These are your friends. These are your allies. You also feel what smells like rot coming from slightly northwest towards the center of the forest. It's maybe two, three hundred feet away and it's pulsing. Oh, skirmish. We're right here. Three hundred feet away in that direction. Oh, all right. Uh, so skirmish will take out his hammer and take a deep breath to steady himself and then say a quick prayer uh, on behalf of um, his fellow soldiers that were uh, that died at the hand of this uh, villain to steal himself and prepare for battle. And um, I will slowly start making my way in the direction that Simmons was pointing. Simmons starts walking that way as well, casually casting call lightning as thunderclouds start to form overhead. Make me make me a perception check, actually, both of you. 21. Sorry, I was not pre- prepared. An 8. An 8. 21. Simmond, as Skirmish was saying a prayer, you noticed that he just started, there's parts of him that started glowing. Oh. His bag and his pockets. Skirmish, do you always glow? Uh... I've been told by my lady that I glow when I laugh, but nothing beyond that. Well, you're not laughing at the moment. Hmm. Do you see your bag glowing? Uh, no. What do you see? <laughs> when when it's pointed out, you'll see you make out the faint glow. Oh. And if you take a look in the bag, you'll see that the insignias of your, your fallen brethren and fallen comrades are just giving off a very low humming glow. Simmond, these are the sashes that I collected from my my friends, my my colleague, my, my fellow soldiers. We were they were slaughtered by the undead, and I was praying just now that I can avenge their deaths. And I think this is a sign that that's going to happen. All right. Well, we march for them. Indeed. All right. So as you make your way through. <laughs> The last 300 feet, casually calling lightning. Um, the sound at least breaks the tension in the air. Um, it's been building for a while. As you come to the, the edge of the forest, it opens up into a clearing with this large, uh, looks to be heavily rotted tree in place. And there's this kind of inky blackness behind it that's hard to make out. And there's a, a figure standing in front of the tree, uh, back turned to you. It's uh, about eight feet in height. It's wearing kind of iron bark armor and it has a a pointed helmet. It's got this dramatic frayed cloak coming off the back. Has it seen us yet? It hasn't seen you yet. Skirmish, is that the person? I caught a faint glimpse of him. Uh, The last time I was in the Vale of Shadows, that looks to be him, yes. All right. How do you want to proceed? Well, I'm a man who likes a fair fight, as fair as I can. So I'm going to call him out, and you just get ready. 
All right, I have a spell prepared. Perfect. Uh, so I will address this uh, this person. I'll say, excuse me, uh, are you Mighty Oak? Because my name is Skirmish Killington, and I would like to have a word with you. So the figure turns around, pivots 180 degrees. You can see in, in the helmets, there are like smoldering coals of eyes. And he looks at you dead in the eye. Skirmish. And he draws his sword. Uh, I've been waiting a long time for this. And by the way, you're messing up this entire veil with your nasty magic. And Simon doesn't take too kindly to people who do that. All must return to nature. Well, uh, seeing as as you are part of all, I will gladly send you there. And I will pounce and try to bash this guy in the head. Okay, so if we can all roll initiative then. I got an 18. 18. And I got a 11. 11. And your trees? Oh, I'm just going to have them do initiative with me. Oh, perfect. That makes my life much easier. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll just say any constructs or friends or allies are joining on the, the same turn. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So you then 18 skirmish, I believe you're first. Okay. So as I pounced, I was beginning my rage. So as a bonus action, I will rage. And when I rage, uh, I get to use... Uh, Sorry, I did not prepare properly. The wild search table. I'll roll a d8. I have got a 2, which means I can teleport up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space. Until my rage ends, I can use this effect again on each turn as a bonus action. So I'll be able to pop pop in and out. But Mm -hmm. I'm just going right to him, uh, unleashing my hammer and bashing him. Yeah, you also... This is, like, not an official thing, so feel free to just theatrically go for it you don't actually as far as i'm concerned you don't have to roll things or whatever oh okay unless you want to i don't mind whatever the the coordinator would like to have happen no just the narrative narratively is fine but like you can stick to the mechanics if you want to to help yourself out oh, no no we'll, well we can mm-hmm. go uh narratively so i'm jumping at him and i'm swinging with all my might and i, I feel a surge of not felt in my whole life because I can see the concentrated evil like he this man is the single source of evil in my village as well as uh, a growing sickness that's spreading across the world so I'm just furious and I hit him as as harder than any other person I've ever hit so as your as your blow connects you actually feel that the armor is really hard so it crumples a little bit, but you were expecting a lot more. This was one of your like life achievement swings, but this armor was built to take a beating, which is good because you're quite angry. It sounds like we really need to give that armor a beating. Uh, for my turn, then, I am going to cast Reverse Gravity on the area that uh, that Mighty Oak is in. Uh, he is going to soar 100 feet up in the air and then suddenly bob there as if that is the ground level and re- gravity is shifted. Um, are you familiar with the mechanics of fall damage? Yeah. Uh, so part of my abilities is uh, giant strength where I can throw boulders, which if I throw them, they only do 1d4 damage. However, 
if I put them in the area where gravity is reversed, they will fall 100 feet and deal something like 4d20 each. So I'm just going to start throwing boulders and have them start bludgeoning this man in his armor as they fall 100 feet straight up in the air. How many boulders are you throwing? Six. Six boulders. Okay. Six boulders, just hammering this armor. And of course, there's lightning striking from above from the uh, previously prepared thunderstorm. So the first boulder the first boulder hits him really hard, but then subsequent boulders, they're kind of hitting boulders on top of that. So they start seeing them cracking and fragmenting and bits of bits of boulder going everywhere. He's getting hit with lightning um, from the other side and he's just suspended in the air there. Um, it comes around to his turn and you just hear this bellow of it is it is done and behind the tree reality rips you get this merging of this inky black shadow with green fell and necromantic energy and this 150 foot portal opens behind and these undead start swarming slash falling out of it and as you continue to throw boulders, there's these little tinier, smaller sub-portals appearing, and undead are swarming out of that as well. They haven't yet reached you. They're about 100 feet away. And I believe we're back to skirmish, unless the trees would like to um, take a running jump at. The trees will start to move. To they won't have time to get there, but they'll start to move towards to, inter to intercept the undead. Perfect. How long does reverse gravity last? Uh, I believe it's a concentration 10 minutes, but let me check. Okay, wow. He's there for a while. Uh, he, can, he can always move to the edge, too. He'll just fall 100 feet when he comes back down. Okay, we are back to skirmish. So when I see the, uh, the undead pouring out of the portal, I just get overwhelmed, and I see red for the first time. Like, I've raged before, but nothing like this. And so, um, what happens is, I've got, um, I've got the teleporting, but I, I'm able to somehow manage a second effect where shadowy tendrils will lash around me, and um, the creatures that are within 30 feet of me, I just start grabbing them and, and squishing them until they, uh, they either just get sliced in two or, or get uh, pulverized by the crushing necrotic tendrils just uh squishing them as i go and then i continue to take my hammer with with a uh, renewed vigor and I, I i have two hits and i go bang bang against mighty oak so he's definitely starting to take the damage you can see part of his his helmet is starting to be kind of caved in but he's locking on you and he locked eyes on you and he's he's furious because his plans have been foiled by you once before and he's deeply committed to trying to complete his goal, which is to return the world to its what he believes its natural order to be, Simmond. Uh, Simmond is going to cast Commune with Nature, and you will see a the, the, the ground seemed very dark and muted before, very stunted and dead, um, but the grass starts to come back alive and a, a spreading layer of greenery spreads outward from Simon in all directions. Um, the plants seem to come alive and start grasping at ankles. Uh, tree branches start whipping at the undead. Um, and again, the boulders that were thrown before start throwing themselves um, 
at Great Oak to try to continue to crack his armor. So you do see cracks starting to appear and it's starting to fall away in places. Underneath the armor, there's this kind of rotted corpse of, a, of an individual. This person isn't living anymore. And as he he kind of looks at Skirmish, wrestles his way to the side of this, falls the um, hundred feet or so. Again, more of his armor splintering off. Uh, it doesn't land ceremoniously. It's no three-point landing. It's just flattened to the earth. And then this kind of uncomfortable ripping sound as he pulls himself out of the earth. He turns to look at Simmond and... Oh, sorry, Skirmish. And he stretches out his hand and launches a hellfire orb. So you need to make a dexterity save just to see if you're able to dodge out of the way. All right. I got a 16. 16, so that's below the DC, which is 18. Right. Um, so that is 35 points fire and 35 points necrotic. It's just for a sense of, of how much damage is, is behind that uh, hellfire orb. Uh, and there's a little bit of a smile creeps up on his, his face when he realises he's managed to do something. He's looking battered and beaten. In the background, the portal is continuing to expand. Um, the waves of undead are being bogged down by this plant growth. Um, they're being slowed, but there's a mass forming where now some of the undead are crawling over those underneath that are being bogged down and kind of caught up in the nature. So um, they will eventually overwhelm that. And we're back to skirmish. All right. So I... I brush off the hit it's like yeah that's that if that's the best you've got you're in trouble and uh i have another unstable backlash since i got hit and what happens instead of the tendrils coming out and squishing the undead uh it quite the opposite happens a bolt of light comes out of my chest it erupts and instead of just coming straight usually it just hits the person i'm aiming at but it just kind of uh goes out in a circle and a bunch a, a holy light just irradiates around me and uh, the undead that are caught in that circle just dissipate they just turn into powder but mighty oak himself uh experiences radiant damage he's he's undead he's affected but he's not he's very powerful so it doesn't quite take him out but he is temporarily blinded and then i go ahead and take a few more whacks with my with my hammer so as this kind of radiant power emanates from you you feel this kind of the land itself giving you like the power it's it's channeling into you it wants to fight back mighty oak represents this force of nature or force against nature even though they believe to be themselves to be a force for nature and the source of your power so to speak um was the goddess trying to give you the goddess of the earth of the land around the Veil of Shadows trying to give you a way to fight back um, and you're in the right place for this so whilst Mighty Oak is, is very powerful you actually see that this is, is taking a lot off him he starts to disintegrate um, not fully but he is starting you see what's left of his flesh is starting to peel and dissipate and burn with the radiant light and the radiant energy and then you come along with your your swing and how do you want to end mighty oak um 
It will be with an authority. I, I just have flashes of my fellow soldiers being frozen and killing each other and then being consumed by the undead. And it just rage fills me. And I, I take just the biggest swing I've ever done. Uh, it's touching the heels of my feet. And I swing down straight on the cap of his skull. And I, I go all the way through and splinter his armor. It goes to either direction and he just falls apart. And as you do, there's this explosion of fire and necrotic energy that backlashes a bit. So you're actually knocked off your feet as this kind of expands in the area around, leaving this sort of charred, rotted earth behind it. Um, so with your final blow, you have ended Mighty Oak, but there will be forever a scar in the land from where he fell. And at that point, we have somebody else join us. Out of the smoke of the remains of this fallen oak, haha, pun intended, holding a lantern high in the air, collecting and shedding not light, but darkness, the necrotic remains of this fallen foe collects into Willie's new lantern. Well, that's about enough of that, he says, and motions to help Skirmish lift himself up. <laughs> Oh, hey, Willie. Uh, I'm glad you showed up, but there's still quite a lot of undead pouring out of this portal. Yeah, I think uh, dealing with that's probably going to be my new thing now. Look, I got a cool darkness lantern. That's uh, great. So, you, you seems like you had a real character moment here. How how, how you doing, bud? Uh, doing okay. I'm so glad you showed up and Simmond. I couldn't have done it without him. Simon, where are you? I'm still here. We're not done yet. Oh. Uh, was... Willie looks over to Simon to see what's happening there. So uh, as you look over, you see this ever-expanding portal twisted with shadow magic and this fell necrotic energy. There's several smaller portals kind of surrounding it. And pouring out from it are the undead from many, many conquered worlds. And they're just swarming in the area. Whereas before they had some form of, I suppose, thought or focus. Now they're quite unsteady. There's nothing really focusing them. Mighty Oak's presence before would have rallied them. But right now they seem a bit perturbed. Not quite sure what they're doing there. So the two issues are this ever-increasing volume of undead. And the fact that there's this portal which continues to expand out from behind this rotted tree. Mm, interesting. Um, let's see, I guess time to make some checks. Uh, can I just hit it with an arcane first? Sure, yep. Cool. Uh, okay. That's eh, it's only a 14. What, what are you trying to get a sense of? Uh, just... How it's working, I guess it's sort of like uh, when it, like an airplane's going down and the pilot's dead, and you're like, okay, can't be that hard to fly a plane. Like, how do I work these portals? So, some of the, some of it seems to be shadow, some of it seems to be something else. It doesn't seem to be stable. That's about what you can get from a 14. Okay. Um, let's... Hmm. Could I use, because Willie has pretty much got his best uh, warlock spell he can do. 
I guess, fifth level spell, which one with a 14 would help try to gain control of this? Negative Energy Flood or Dance Macabre? One is, like, just an overpouring of energy, like, negative energy that, like, heals undead and damages living. So could I use that to just, like, jumpstart me being in the captain's chair? Or Dance Macabre is just straight up controlling undead, but it's only, like, six? So could I try to, like you know, overjuice that. Well, there's two problems. Which one are you trying to address? The undead or the portal? Oh, the portal. The undead aren't the problem, and that's a little insensitive to our less livingly inclined. Well, I suppose, to be more specific, there's an ever-increasing volume of undead on this plane of existence. Yes, people die every moment. <laughs> um, I, I think the portal are, is the bigger issue, too, Willy, even though it might not be okay. the actual bigger issue. But then do you want to try negative energy at it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Usually, uh, I can get the wording, but usually, I believe, it's an explosion. Okay. You send rivet? Yeah, yeah. Just, just could confirm that that's what you want to do. Hmm. Is the... Hmm. Let's see. Hmm. No. No, I'm going to use Dance Macabre. I'm going to try to seed the magic from that into the fabric of the portal, and then at least hopefully I'll gain control of any undead that come out. Okay. Um, make me an arcana check. This is going to be hard, because you're trying to seed a control spell into a into a portal. Uh, okay. And I'll use my flashback ability that I haven't used in a very long time, because I'm pretty good now. Okay. Uh... I will, I will say while you're while you're doing this, um, Simmond, your perception's quite strong. Yes, quite good, strong. That's a great word for this. Um, you see, as the portal's expanding, you've you've tried to control a lot of the nature around the area, and this this area was quite was devoid of nature. Really, it was a lot of death and decay. Mm-hmm. You do notice that the air, the parts of the portal that touch your nature magic kind of recoil a little bit so it doesn't quite expand past that okay sorry 20 27 for willie 27 okay so the portal takes on a, a slightly violet hue in the front almost like there's a filter that's come over it so you get the sense that maybe if something passes through it something might happen it hasn't changed the portal, but it might change what happens to those who pass through the portal. Okay. So I got the portal. We just got to figure out how to turn this fan from blow to suck. Hmm. From what I know of trekking the stars, we might need to reverse the polarity. What in the world does that mean? I learned it from an astronomer. Oh. But, um, hmm. Okay, so it's recoiling from nature magic. Well, Simmond, is there something you can do with your trees or your nature magic or something? Uh, I have an idea, but it's a bit drastic. I'm down for drastic. All right. Uh, Let me see here. Uh, And the portal is behind this tree, correct? Correct, yeah. It's where the branches of it are, are like anchoring parts of it. It's like gotcha. it was used as like a conduit to lash part of the portal to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simmond is going to 
Well, first he'll use his turn and try to cast Tsunami to try to knock back the undead back towards the portal. Um, and you see a wall of crashing water come sweeping through the area. Um, hopefully my friends get out of the way in time. And on top of that tsunami, there's like a rubber duck. You don't, nobody knows where it came from. <laughs> yes, rubber ducky. It's, 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 it's on the prowl. And then Simmond is going to use tree stride to step inside the tree at the base of the portal. Wow. Very good. The, the, the party sees uh, the tree start to come back to life. It becomes green and flowers start sprouting on its branches again. Uh, what happens to the portal? Well, as you enter the tree, you've been feeling a bit off these last few days, kind of changing and shaping and shifting a little bit. So you actually feel that that sense of kind of stability is, is starting to, to kind of wane a bit more as well. You've, you've entered into another kind of, I suppose, space that's filled with negative energy and you're trying to fill it with your positivity, with your kindness. And as the tree starts to bud and the flowers bloom, the portal does start to shift in shape. It doesn't start, it doesn't expand so much and it starts to almost kind of wrap onto the branches of the tree and stop its expansion so much. So the more energy you put into this tree, the more con you're containing the portal to the branches, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I am going to, I'm imagining that I have some telepathy at this point, um, speak into Willie's mind, do something, finish this. Okay. Um, well then, I think I have a plan. I'm at this point going to try to use uh, negative energy flood. But seeing as the portal is connected to the tree, I want to try to use the negative energy from the tree and shoot it just out so that there's more room for the positive energy to flow in and Simon can get greater control over the portal. Just drain the drain the pimple, so to speak. You you gotta accentuate the positive. I get it. Um <laughs> no, we can't get copyright struck. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, so you could do that. Yeah, you put your hand on the tree, and you you basically become like a a, a one way receiver for or, or a, a channel to to get rid of all that negative kind of necrotic chaotic energy. Where, where are you pointing it out of interest? Um, hmm. I guess kind of like dovetailing out but towards the portal like so any undead around like might smell the negative energy and be like ooh that sounds good and then like hopefully start wandering back towards the portal okay okay yeah so you're trying All to right. almost corral use the energy to kind of corral um and entice back the undead okay so yeah, yeah like the way a restaurant will vent out their kitchen smells towards people like where it's like oh this is just to get it out of the building but also doesn't that fried chicken smell good like you know <laughs> delicious so you freed up a lot of space a lot of energy space so to speak Simmond you're in a left in, in, in this space where you really have a choice to make as to what, what you're going to do if you continue to stay here there's a chance you may lose yourself but if you leave it may not be sufficient so what What's going through your mind? What are you thinking? Uh, Simmond lets go of his hold on his body and feels 
himself expanding through the roots of the tree. Um, he feels the portal start to fragment and directs all of the fragments of the portals back to their original realms, um, depositing the undead back into their graves um, on all the worlds that they came from. Um, as he diffuses himself through the ground in this way, uh, he comes across one, one, one of the branch points of the portal leads him to uh, Brooklyn, New York City, America. And he uh, sees a scene where um, where uh, a person wearing blue hospital scrubs behind an ambulance is attempting to load a, uh, a injured patient into the back of the vehicle. Um, a car streams around the corner and uh, a stray bullet coming through the window uh, takes him right in the forehead. Yeah, I know. He's shot down oh, in the line of duty. No. He drops down suddenly, and instead of red blood streaming out, you can see that he has golden blood um, coming out of the wound. He uh, briefly flashes uh, white wings and a golden halo around him as he hits the ground. Uh Simon uses the last of his energy here before he dissipates into the tree to cast true resurrection and bring him back through his edge of the portal and deposit him on the ground in front of the party members. And that that moment that you let go, Simon, just at that point, you were able to touch every aspect of the universe at the same time. And it was this one incident, this one individual in Brooklyn that drew your attention. And as your last act of kindness as Simmond, you chose to save them. So Skirmish and Willie see the tree go into full bloom, gets this cherry blossom growing throughout the branches. And you feel that this tree is a special place. It's connected and its meaning is connection. And this is also the place where you last saw your friend Simmond. I so is the, is the portal still there at all? The portal has disappeared, but the branches of the tree have taken on an element of this twisting night sky colour, but the buds are, um, are kind of like cherry blossoms. So it's as if the tree itself has become the connection point, but the portal has kind of infused into its structure. It has been contained. Skirmish will drop his hammer and rush over to uh, the body of Simmond and just hug him and he'll begin to cry and he will understand the sacrifice that he made and know that he saved my, my land and he will be forever grateful and just he'll just hold him and weep. And you are holding a tree because that is what is left of Simmond. Oh, then I'm Hugging the tree, sorry, I misunderstood. Hugging the tree, because that's yeah. the last time I saw you. You tree hugger. Well, <laughs> yeah, uh, there, 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 there is a tree in bloom now, and like you see, um, the the unconscious body of a man in blue hospital scrubs on 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 the ground that appeared out of nowhere. Uh, Willie will go over to the body and do his creepy Willie thing, where he bends fully over at the waist, like looking down at him. 
with a big shark tooth smile. Hello, my name's Willie. And then wait to see if he's conscious enough to speak. Uh, not yet. He is still a, a little bit uh, on the comatose end. Somebody might need to, to take him back to the guild and wait for him to uh, come round. Uh, Willie will just perfunctorily try to do a quick raise on dead. He'll use his night whistle like, is, it, is he dead? Do I have a new dead friend? Oh, he's just unconscious. And then throw him over his shoulder. <laughs> the, the other thing you'll see is the when Simmond entered the tree, the forest that he, his forest friends that follow him around would have paid utmost attention to it. And when the tree transformed... They moved in to form like a protective circle. So they root the land, so to speak, in fresh nature rather than leaving this undead scar here. So growing around this is now a living forest. I look to the living forest and go, remember, adventurers love magic items. So don't let anybody come here and chop off pieces of our boy pointing at the new Simmon tree. (laughs) Simmon the tree. Perfect. And I think at that point, it's probably a good place to to stop. All right. Hello, I am Jade. This epilogue is me thinking about my time actively working for the Fireblazing Kittens Guild. My back aches and my knees out. I think it might be time for this 53-year-old paladin to find a more sedentary abbey to get me out of the house and stop annoying my wife, Alice. But oh, was my time with the fire-breezing kittens a blast. I met some fantastic people. Of course, I'll still come into the guild hall from time to time to see everyone I met again and to share some of Alice's baking. Boaty McKittenface I lost my town guard sword, but gained some new friends. Being retired had been so boring. This pensioner missed going on adventures. With Stella keeping an eye out and really navigating the way, it was smooth sailing. Petrification in red. Sinclair taught me how to get free drinks. Claudio asked me to pick a dagger. And in the future I will think twice about touching things in museums. Raptor the flag. Simmond, Willie, and I started mentoring orphans after this adventure. I taught them the laws and statutes of Nicomue and how to save for retirement. Dreams Unlimited Limited. Baking cookies for good, not evil. Obviously. The Dubois Collection. Cecil and Skirmish presented the notion to patrons of magical Dadaism that art should be available for the public to view, should speak to them, and deserves to be preserved. Out is a journey, they told the Zupar brothers. Stew on it. Babysitting the Stars Willie and Wing and I got to meet and babysit Stella's baby sister, Ruby. Haunted house hunting. Palpatore, Willie and I powered down a security system from the previous occupants so the new owners could move in. Two wolves, one destiny. Sit. Lay down. Stay. Play dead. Good boy. Pop Fiction Cordelia, Gatsby and I got inoculated against the effects of Echimblim dust. Doc's Book Delivery Service This was an evil alternate reality version of me where I had never met my wife, Alice. 
I'm so glad I did. Sitels and souls. Was I an excellent sitel or a devil sitting on Stella's shoulder? Wing got their soul back, so it all worked out in the end. Mole money, mole problems. Simmond, Wing and I went on a minecart ride and discussed the final points of corporate intellectual property law. Powderful plots. I don't know what to do when there are no laws to guide me. Sacre bleu, murder bats. Kids these days don't appreciate good music. Art felt colors. Listen to what your art wants, I advise as all people, and, and definitely not myself. <clears throat> For those of us who are inherently evil, don't listen to your art. Ignore your art and follow the law. Children of the Camp If everyone gave up, then all there would be is pirates. Objective Duality I got to visit my daughter, Adele. What a lovely, tranquil day trip. Party Animals Petting a mountain lion would probably be safe for a person wearing plate armor, just saying. I pity Dracul. We investigated why the laws were being enforced differently recently. Sword and Granny. Jade doesn't fully remember this past life, but it left a permanent twist on her soul. Eyes black with no sclera, horns on her head... They're the price a person sometimes has got to pay for buying a bagel. And since I have my normal voice, it was really fun to do my first character with a character accent all season. It definitely made it more obvious when I was speaking in character and when I wasn't. Like, you know, I spoke with an accent. <laughs> or I didn't. Um, but I do think the accent was a little bit intolerable, but there's no way around that. You just kind of, I don't know. I'm, eh, eh. Eh, whatever. I don't know. It's still better to have one. <laughs> if you at home are wondering, should I have an intolerable accent? Yeah, you gotta practice somehow. I don't know. You're not gonna get better if you don't practice, so... Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, Jade doesn't remember the past life in Sword and Granny, but that's why she was born in this life with eyes black with no sclera horns on her head, etc. Because her soul twisted with the mechanics of the game that was being played. Okay. Willie's birthday bonanza. Seeing Willie learned that family members he'd never met had walked the same path in life that he had got me to thinking about free will. Were the choices I was making my own, or was I being led to make them by some unseen force outside my understanding? I thought about my parents and other demon kin who evilly reveled in the suffering of others. Had I enjoyed arresting criminals too much? Alice's voice cut through my thoughts. Alice and the law. As long as I have Alice to love and the law to follow in order to know what is right and wrong, I feel confident that whether it was ultimately my choice or not, this is the path I want to walk. The Wayback Whistle Instruments are meant to be played, so don't be afraid to toot that flute. Even if it takes you to a zone of TMI, maybe you'll also find a diamond that can be your new best friend. Cairn, the world breaker. 
Cheering on your friend while they work out some sibling issues can be a good way to pass the day. And eh, there are some cats to pet. Susie almost destroyed reality. That's alright. There aren't any laws against that. What do you want? I am grateful that I got to spend 15 more years with my wife, Alice. Joining Feral Raising Kittens was the best idea ever! Oh, uh, Lucian, could you hand me one more plank? I think we're almost done here. Yep, that should be good. Just, uh, that one looks a bit heavy. Let me get back to skirmish. Just one second. Uh, you hear the whirring of machinery as Lucian jumps in the good old egg boy and lifts a pretty large 2 by 4 uh, over to skirmish, working on the roof of the guild hall. Oh, thanks. You're a lot better at that than you were when you first hopped in with Rooney. Yeah, a uh, bit of practice. Looks like it's good for construction. Maybe I'll leave it for the guilds. Uh, they might get some use out of it if it doesn't punch any more holes. Well, if it does, they can always use it to, to fix the holes. Yeah, what came first, the goose or the egg? Right. All right. Uh, well, I think that's it, right? I, I believe so. You know, I have to tell you, Lucian, fixing this roof with you was a very good distraction with everything I got going on. Uh, it's it's good to to work out your thoughts when you're trying to do something constructive, especially when you got a nice nail to hammer some feelings away at. Uh, Lucian throws some levers around, and uh, Mecha Skirmish's hand rises up to the roof, and Lucian climbs out, grabs a bottle from the cabin, and sits down next to Skirmish. Certainly been quite the year, I'd say. Lots to think oh, about. Definitely. And, oh, is that battle for sharing? If so, uh, you read my mind. Yeah, it certainly is. I, um, bought it from a recommendation of Stella. And, uh, uh it's supposed to be have... pretty good scotch. She has excellent taste, for sure. Yeah. Uh, shame you couldn't go to that, uh, tailor guy, but would love to see what he did with you. But maybe another time. Eh, uh, there's, there's always time, I suppose. Always. You know, Until you're dead. That's a story for another time, though. Lucian right. pops the bottle, pulls out a nice tin cup for a skirmish, fills it just about to the top, and he seems to keep the bottle for himself and just start chugging it. Cheers. Oh, yes, right. <laughs> so skirmish will take a drink, just kind of hold the cup for a while, and then... Take an inhale, sigh. Say, Lucian, you were with me when Arenel came on to me at the party. Remember? Yep. I think that might be the moment when my psyche took a slight turn for, well, something. Well, yeah, it was a wild time for us all, mind you, and um, I'm, I'm having a real hard time because I don't think I don't think I could be with her anymore and it's I'm very sad because she was the first woman to show me 
love, or so I thought. I thought it was love. But the more I talk to her, it it never feels like I'm I'm her friend. We're not we're not peers. I'm just another thing to conquer. And that's her mindset. She just wants to conquer and have dominion over things and I kinda stay with someone like that and it's very hard. Oh and I will take another drink because it's just I'm not used to talking about my emotions, Lucien, but we've been through enough, you and me. Where I feel like I can I can tell you what's going on. And I dunno know what's gonna happen with her. But I know I can't I can't stay true to who I am and be with her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I Lucien takes a couple seconds to chug a bit more of the bottle down. Well, for starters. I just want to know I greatly appreciate you confiding in me and I feel the same amount of trust with you. And this is certainly a difficult decision. I don't have quite as much experience on the matter, so I can only really try to offer uh, an analogous situation, but uh, you might remember I was a little more reserved uh, before that same day, actually, um, as it turns out. Yeah. But uh, I, I spent um, the vast majority of my life as just a wandering hermit, not really talking to anybody, and I thought that's what I wanted at the time, uh, even at the start of that mission with the pan and the gala or ball, as it were. I just, um, I started to feel what perhaps I would call now the inklings of camaraderie and certain other wants in my life than just, it's hard to put into words, solace can be lovely. Solitude can get you everything you want if you know how to get it, and then you don't need to rely on anyone else for anything at all. But there's still something missing, and I started to get that conflict and had to look deep inside myself, and I think in about five seconds while that uh, love potion was flying through the air with the giant wind blast to come, Something in me just clicked and realized maybe what I thought I wanted. It's okay for that to change based on what I'm feeling now. So if if this is really how you feel, if this is really an issue for you, I, I think it's just in the nature of the Echo Blim to be this way. I support your decision if you think. Wait a minute. So I didn't know what exactly you had me do. You were saying something about a love potion. Well... Is that... is that why Arinel came after me? I have a slight feeling she already had some interests. And to support that theory, I I do believe uh, Pan mentioned that the effects were only temporary. If anything has been going on more than 24 hours after the event... That would have been completely unrelated to the spell, but to say it 
certainly kick the door open wouldn't be uh, stretching it, I would say. I could see that. I still feel bad, but when you were talking about being alone, I can understand where you're coming from, too. I was alone for a while when I was on the run from my village and before I got here, but being an FBK has been wonderful. I can't imagine not having the friends I've got now, and you included. I I just... It's hard also knowing that, that I've lost so many good friends in this journey between Rooney and Simmond. It's just hard to know that they sacrifice themselves so they could protect others. I will make sure that they they live on I, I always wanted to have a story told about me and the way I protected others. And I, it is my duty to do the same for my friends. So, I'm not sure what's next. Perhaps, perhaps a role at, uh, as a teacher at the Fire Breathing Academy where I can help new heroes to find the the strength inside themselves and also remind them about champions like Rooney, Simmond and all the other folks. It would be my honour. And if you, Lucien, whatever you decide to do, drop me a line. I'm... I'm your friend and I'll never forget you. Don't you worry. I wouldn't think of it. I... In a matter of fact, I have some, uh contacts, but before I came to the guild hall and uh, was recruited, um, I, I actually did some side lecturing at the uh, Nicomoy College, so, um, university, I believe. Uh, I, I think I could probably pull some strings. Maybe we can even get you telling some of these stories there. Maybe we can even get them to put some fire-breathing kittens into the history books officially. I mean, I actually wasn't aware of Simmons passing, but... He actually... He did it as an act of kindness, really, for me and my village and my land. It's a long story, but just know that he was... He was pure through and through. And I'll never forget him. I see. Yes, I think... Acts of... Valiancy, like what um, what Rooney showed, and it sounds like it's Simon, and I'm sure many other kittens before me. There's likely evidence. Maybe we could go ask uh, Nolasag if there's any records, but maybe we could get these turned into actual texts, or maybe even a whole course at the university. I'll, I'll see what I can do. Um, I certainly think, to put it simply, history deserves to be remembered, and what is history if not a bunch of small acts by small people that make all the difference in the world? Agreed. And those acts 
as mighty as they are, I mean, it's just as simple for us to do that too, or anybody. I mean, if I could just help people understand that where they are is not where, where they need to stay, and they can make a difference too, then that would be good enough for me. I, I mean, absolutely. I don't know if you were able to see. I'm guessing your eyes might have been elsewhere just trying to save people, but uh, when... I can't even think of it clearly. It's all a bit of a blur. I remember chugging a potion, turning into a dragon, and then trying to pull people out of the sea. That was the thought I had, and sure, it saved some people, but it wasn't magic powers turning anybody into a dragon that really saved that day. It was a single rish, and Rooney had the thought to make it. And that's all I can take some time. I, I completely agree. This is a lovely idea, and honestly... Even someone as smart as myself couldn't have thought of it. I think this is something only you could have come up with. That sounds well, strange, but... I, I, I'm I, not I, used to such high compliments about my intellect from someone as smart as you, but I will take it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I guess... It sounds like you sort of know what you want to do from here on out, but, um... What about you? Yeah, if I... <laughs> Lucian drinks a bit more from the bottle. It's getting a little <laughs> empty at the moment. Um, if I'm being honest, I think I'm at another impasse. Just like... In those few seconds back at the ball, I... I feel like... My time at the Five Breathing Kins isn't done, per se, but there's... Other... Skeletons in a closet that need to be addressed. You might not know this, but, um, my whole going into being a hermit was brought on by, uh, my father. He sort of cast me away and, out of spite, I didn't want to return home, but then, well, uh, from what I gather, he seemingly disappeared. I still don't know what happened to him, and the entire rest of the family fell apart after that, uh, infighting and other issues, but somewhere on this continent... Out in that jungle is the home where I was born, and uh, beneath that rather large manor, while it's probably a ruin now, is a very complicated laboratory uh, made by an artificer much stronger than myself. Whether he's been murdered or gone completely rogue and evil, I don't know. Uh, but there's a lot of equipment down there that could be used to help people. I did some simple things when I was a hermit in another land. Uh, you know, on occasion I'd walk into a village, repair their well if they needed, but there's some serious machinery down there that could help the world probably a lot. But I have no idea where to start even to go and find it. And I don't think it'd be fair to drag any manpower away from the guild to do it, so I think I'm going to start my own expedition. Maybe I'll get some scholars from the college, and well, we'll see what we can find. But parting okay. with the guild is certainly a difficult idea at the moment for me. I'm with you. I, it's really... They showed me what, what a real friend is, and they were a family for me when 
I effectively lost my own. And actually, that's what helped me understand what value I have and why being with Arinel just isn't right. I have friends. I have love. And I can reciprocate, and I will. And Lucian, you'll always be my friend. And if you... Good luck on your expedition. And if you need help, let me know. Yes, on that matter, actually. Uh, Lucian reaches into his pocket and pulls out a small stone. Uh, it's a bit crude, but uh, not as good as the sending stones you can buy on the market, because uh, I don't quite have access to their whole network. But this is uh, has its own uses. Pretty untraceable for the most part. Direct connection from you to me. Uh, still a sending stone, of course. I plan on leaving a couple of these with certain members of the guild. Don't know what's going to happen to me in the next couple of years. Uh, truth be told, depending on what's down there, I might not be back in this town for a couple decades. But, oh my. Yeah, uh, that might seem a lot at uh, elves' age. I'm already 120-something. I... What's another 40 years? But, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I hope... I will come back at some point. I, I'm sure of it. But uh, in the meantime, if anyone needs a bit of engineering or some mechanical magic, they'll know who to call. I will keep training, and I will be ready for the call whenever it comes. And um, I will keep it in my pants pocket because I'm always wearing my pants, usually. And um, yeah, how about we, uh, I see you've only got a bit left in that bottle, so let's drink to um, to friendship. To Rooney. To Rooney. Uh, to the guild as a whole. Lucian takes uh takes skirmish's um cup fills that up and keeps the cup for himself and gives him the rest of the bottle because he's already starting to look a little <laughs> little side to side and uh <sighs> these are gonna be oh, some memories oh you lightweight let me help you down yeah Karen joined the fire-breathing kittens to make some friends and meet new people. He did both of these things, but along the way he also lost friends, and inadvertently set in place a chain of events which could result in the destruction of the plane. Standing on the roof of the guild hall, looking out at the city, he stepped into the inky black shadows and disappeared from Guasso. So we see this group of people sitting around a table. Well, they're not exactly people. They have some, let's say, draconic features. They're all playing a game of dragon chess together. We have one, um, a silver-haired, silver-winged woman we all know very well, Stella Argentine. One is a wood elf man with copper hair and golden eyes. One is a dwarf woman with copper eyes. 
One is uh, a kobold that's all black with black eyes. One of them is, let's say, a human. Just a regular, normal-looking human man with, uh, with blue eyes. And the last is a um, green-haired, green-eyed elf. And the silver-haired one makes a move after some deliberation. Rook to pawn two, she says to the um, golden-eyed one. Oh, interesting move. You know, you've proven yourself quite an elegant player at the game. I mean, I haven't been playing this game very long. It's kind of fun. The black-eyed kobold speaks up. Yes, it is very fun. You could be a move up to the pros, even, and that's even more fun. The risk and the reward. Join us, Miss Argentine. Well, I mean, what will be in it for me if I joined? Uh, Bishop 4 to Rook 3. As the game unfolds for a few more turns, eventually Black finishes off Blue, and taking the piece representing his horde, he clutches it in clawed fingers and smiles. You asked, what's in it for you? All the riches in the world. I'm already rich enough. Like, that costume I, I wore to that dragon duel sold for, I think, a million gold. Yeah, a lot of people wanted that. Uh, that gets a chuckle from everyone at the table. No, not monetary riches, Stella. The true riches. Hordes. And what that means to other dragons. Hordes of power. It's where we get our strength. So when we say riches, not with these non-scaled, short-lived beings are clamoring for. We play the game for the true draconic reason. Yeah, I I think I, I think I grew to hoard the wrong thing. Cause like influence, power, that kind of stuff. I, I just like to party and make friends, you know? The thing that matters most to me is probably the people that I meet, like my family, you know? Uh the copper eyed one speaks up and goes, See? You hoard good things. And other people hoard things that would take those away from you. And we can't have that. So those are the hordes we need to take. And the only way you can truly remove the power of another dragon, I mean, is by playing fun games like this. At least that's what we all believe. And you see that the golden-eyed one, like, dutifully nods his head. Do you mean to say that people who play this game would be after the things that I hoard? By not playing, you've already left yourself open. Hmm. He thinks for a second. The green-eyed kind of gets up from the table and goes, Well, I think that's about enough for me for the night, but I do hope we will play again. He says, looking directly at Stella. Stella kind of like smells at him with her eyes slightly narrowed and says, Yeah, perhaps we will. Perhaps we won't. We'll see. And then she collects her stuff and then says, well, I have some things I must attend to, but perhaps I will be seeing more of you. She says the golden-eyed one. He politely waves and they continue playing. 
And Stella walks out into the, um, unfortunately quite ruined, but under repair streets of Nicomoy. Yeah, they changed since the last time she saw them. And as she walks, she just thinks of her, about her family and what they would think about this. She hires a carriage to go back to the Argentine estate and sees quite a desolate scene. The perfectly manicured lawns and gardens of it are strewn with rubble, and there are some people who are currently attempting to repair them, but there are a lot fewer servants than she would expect. Yeah, she walks into the um, somewhat decrepit facade of the mansion and says, Mom? Brother? Ruby? I'm home. Uh, you hear Sterling's voice coming from down the hall. Uh, we're in the third living room. Okay, she calls back. She she walks through the, the two other living rooms and greets Sterling. Hey, long time no see. You see, uh, your whole family is there. Uh, Zamfira, Ruby, Sterling. Uh, they appear to have just finished breakfast, like you smell fre- freshly cooked food. Um, as I'm guessing your night probably ran <laughs> basically into early morning. Ah, uh, roasted gift horse. That was my favorite. <sighs> Wish I'd been here. Uh, Sterling looks at you kind of awkwardly, thinking about some of your previous interactions as of late. And I, I think there's there's some in the kitchen still if Ruby hasn't gotten to it. Okay, but right now I, I just I just want to see you guys. She runs to him and hugs him. Uh, he's surprised, but like lovingly hugs you back. And then like when you start to let go, he like it was still ready to keep holding, and then quickly like releases. Yeah, uh, I I wanted to I wanted to meet with you guys because I'm, I'm trying to decide on something, and I wanted you guys I wanted your input on it. Uh, you see, Ruby like comes up to you and like you know, like makes contact with her body against like your leg. Ruby, and then and then Stella just goes down and, and hugs her. Oh my God, Ruby, I have something for you. And then reaches into her portable hole looking for a certain snicker ball that she thought was just a harmless toy but still is not aware of how fully wrong she was. And she looks for it, she cannot find it, and says, Oh, I don't know, I must have dropped it. Ah, I really like that little ball. I think you would have liked it. She looks at you happily. (laughs) So yeah, after a bit of playing with Ruby, she looks up at the rest of her family and says, Yeah, you know that? You know that game? The Dragon's Game that Sterling wanted to join a while ago? Uh, I don't know. A group of people want me to join. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking about it, but I think, I think I should because they said that basically they'll go after you if I don't. So yeah, I mean, Sterling, what, (laughs) what do you think? I think after the thrashing you gave me to get control of this draconic power, uh, you shouldn't join because you will ruin the game for the rest of them. (laughs) Looking with a smirking smile. You're too strong, Stella. They can't keep up with you. Uh, but if you want to do it, nobody in the world can stop you. So, you know, if you're asking my opinion, it's super dangerous. I wanted to take the burden of this, you know. But uh, 
but this is your choice. So, like, wait, you're, say- you're saying that I wouldn't keep my powers that I that I fought so hard to keep because you made me fight so hard for them? Look, I just, look, I, you get other, pa- you get, like, a bunch of followers, and you know how I love followers. You really do love your followers. Right? And, like, followers are power, especially in this day and age. You can see Zamfira has been just, like, pun intended, frozen silent, like, <laughs> watching you two from the couch. I I mean, if any of us should play, it should it should be me. And then Zamfira's frozen silence finally ends as she says, Really? Stella? You really want to join their game? It was, it was something I've, I'd avoided all my life. They wanted me to join for thousands of years, but I did not. And now you want to? And Stella says, wait, you, you don't play? No, I, I do not play because, yes, if you play, you lose all of your powers. You lose most of what makes you a dragon, but you gain something else. It is a different way of being a dragon, and I just did not want to do it. My whole family was were some of the best players, but I saw what happened to them. They, they all, most of them either got defeated or they were just consumed by it. And I have not joined for my entire life. And no, you should not join either. You should keep what is yours. And Stella just like looks kind of taken aback by it. She says, but I... So I'll I'll lose. I wasn't going to keep it anyways. I mean, I it's it's already been promised to another realm. Like that's why I fought so hard to keep it. So if I just lose it and then keep take the pressure off you so that they don't keep on hounding you and keep on hounding our family, isn't that isn't that what we'd want? She looks at Sterling and Xanthira. Sterling you know, looks at you and says, Stella, like you said, you fought hard for this power. And I trust you. And give up your power. Give it Give it to the Echoblem. Join Zorvital anyway. You're Stella Argentine. Doesn't matter. Like, you know, you can beat any challenge. I'm the toughest guy I know. And you beat me. I know. It, it was not easy. Believe me, it was not. <laughs> like, oh boy. Like, and, and he made me do that in front of all those people. Like, is, is is this why you raised us the way you did? Like, as as elves? Just to forget all of our, all of, um, what? Ugh, I don't even know. She says to Zamfira. Yes, it is, it is why I did the things I did. I lived as an elf for a very long time. And I did not want you to have the burden, so you are you are half elven, of course. And well, your father he did not want to have a family. He wanted other things. She just seeds for a second. But as that is beside the point. Um hmm. if you use it to help other people and not just to join just to give it to whatever fuels that stupid game well, perhaps that is a different a different story. Yes, I mean it is it is yours at the end of the day. And Ruby still has it. So I mean I guess you don't have to carry on the Argentine line. 
And Stella kind of looks grateful. And she goes, oh, mom. And then she goes and gives her a hug. So then she says to her family then, okay, well, I, I know what I want to do. Sterling, please take care of Ruby. I don't know, take her on your adventures or something. Let her learn how to defend herself because I, I don't trust the intentions of those people who play the game. Just protect her, all right? Uh, Sterling, like, smiles, looks at Ruby and goes, what do you think, sis? You want to go on a trip? And, like, she happily trots over. He pets her, like, you know. He looks at you with absolute confidence in his eyes and goes, don't worry, I got this, sis. And here, you know what, this should go towards repairing the house, because I'm part of his family, too. She just drops a big pile of gold, pretty much all the gold she has left on the table. And then just, like, says her goodbyes and walks away. As she walks away, she takes out her ascending stone and calls her lover and also local demigoddess of the Ekenblim, Melorian. Ring, ring. Hey, what's up, babe? Hey, uh, so, you know how we talked about the whole giving my power to the Ekenblim thing? I, you still want to do that? Oh, yeah, um, you know, uh, I just gotta call my dad to help perform the ritual, we gotta get, you know, the remaining Ekelblim together, um, yeah, yeah, I'm still down if you, are you sure? You know, I know that's kind of like all your power, you know? That's okay, um, I, I mean, it's, it's not, at the end of the day, it's not really mine to, to keep. Like, I either have to, I'm either gonna give it to you or to some weird old dragons playing a weird game so rather give it to you and and then join the game oh so so you are doing that yeah yeah i i think i will like i just really want to stick it to them you know oh we'll be under them we will conquer their no no <laughs> we don't conquer worlds anymore we will provide an excellent challenge to their game See, I'm getting better. You really are. Like, oh my god. <laughs> what me? No. Oh my gosh. Look, I, I, I'm trying out bounty hunting. You know, I want a day job. Uh, so I, I can't have this conversation right now. I am sword fighting. Clang, clang, clang. Oh, I, I wish I could be there to see that. <laughs> well, look. It, trust me. This one's gonna be done soon. No, I won't. Um. Uh, but tonight, let's plan the ritual. Um, we'll have my dad over for dinner. And, um, yeah, we'll get this party started. All right. Uh, smash cut to a few weeks later. After some intense ritual planning. <laughs> Uh, the hall has been set, the tables are done, everything is elegant and lovely. You know, Stella, would you like to describe the ritual hall? So the ritual hall takes place inside the majestic ancient Hive Palace, and there are so many decorations around. There is extra color now thanks to the reveler livening things up in there, but the same amount of light. Except just this time, maybe not displayed in a stifling way, where it's just shining down on you all the time, but in a way that's diffused and 
beautiful, but also chaotic. And a lot of people partying and having a good time. Cool. Uh, when it is time for the ritual to commence, uh, you and May bind your hands, stand in the center of a very elaborate and decorated uh, magical circle. The reveler stands before you in all of their glory, uh, just beaming with pride, like light almost brighter than the echo blims, uh, just at pure pride for their daughter. Um, and begins to cast the incantation. Uh, we are gathered here today to provide not light only, but warmth as well, motioning to May and Stella. We are a people divided, lost, found, and this ritual and this magic here will make us whole again, as represented by these two entities becoming a whole. Would the ritual participants like to say any words? Well, let's get this party started. Uh, hear, hear, says May, and with that, the light in the room is eclipsed by the burning hot sensation of dragon fire swirling around the magic circle, encompassing you in, like, a dome of fire that whoom, begins sparking off like a campfire, dipping into all of these echo blim, like their eyes open as their passions reignite freedom given to their souls. And, uh, you know, as the fire flames uh, die down from around May and Stella, uh, you see them embraced in a kiss. And with that, the party is started, and then eventually the party dies down. So our white-haired, silver-winged girl, Stella, you, you see her, she glows somewhat less than usual. She seems a little bit smaller, yet happier. Her, the burden has been lifted off her. She says her goodbyes to, to May, saying, I'll see you later, and then heads into a side portal, taking her back to the material plane. She walks back into the gambling hall, back to the table of dragons, and says, Yeah, let's play. I'll be Stelfira of the Infinite Spirits. She sits down at the table. We cut to the ruined Argentine estate. Out from under a pile of degree, crawls a battered and beaten Don Ravioli. <laughs> <laughs>